So we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 32. The passage of Scripture I read from last week, as I said, I could have done a 10 sermon series, a 10 Sunday sermon series on. This passage, I could do 12. So again, I encourage you to take the outline that's in your bulletin sometime and read through those verses and just pray through this. That's what's exciting. We're doing this large flyover of these key passages in Scripture on these themes, and now we're looking at discipleship, being a disciple, what it is to grow into Christ. So at best, I can touch on some key themes of these passages, but my hope is then for you through the coming week or coming weeks, you'd read through this passage and the Lord would just guide you into, oh, the immense treasure that is found here in in the words of Scripture. So, So Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. What a passage of Scripture. If we could seek God's wisdom in living out just this one passage of Scripture, what a mighty, mighty work would be done. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again that you revealed to us your love and your truth and your glory and your word. Father, we pray that you give us wisdom and discernment and understanding in this time. Grow us in your truth and guide us in your love. In Christ's name, amen. In Ephesians 4, we have one of the key passages of Scripture that speak of what it is we understand as discipleship from the Scriptures. Where someone comes to Christ, they come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes them alive, opens their eyes so they can see Christ, opens their ears so they can hear the Gospel, opens their hearts so they can receive the Gospel, transforms their minds so they can begin to understand God's Word, and motivates their heart with a passion and hunger for God. And that passion and hunger that motivates their hearts translates into their feet so that they desire to walk in God's way, to gather with other believers, and to seek God in everything. So we understand this. God comes and He transforms people's hearts. Yet salvation, someone going from death to life, happens once. This is a one-time moment where God justifies you. Christ dies on the cross for your sins. He absorbs God's wrath on your behalf. And when you come to have faith, because the Holy Spirit has made you alive to believe, that moment that you have faith and believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and He died to take your sin, and He makes you right with God, as soon as that happens, you are saved, justified, redeemed, eternal security. So that's justification. That happens that moment. At that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit, you are a child of God, and you are to live for God's glory. When we talk about discipleship, we are then talking about sanctification. 
This is the ongoing process of you being made holy, being set apart, where your mind and heart is continually transformed and sanctification happens from the moment you come to salvation in Christ until either you die or Christ returns. Those are the only two ending options for your sanctification process. Because once either you die and you go to be with the Lord in His presence, or Christ returns at that moment, your sanctification process is over. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you're still breathing, and I can tell you Christ hasn't returned back, I know that confidently, then you are in a sanctification process right now. Right now. That is happening to you. So in this passage of Scripture, when we talk about discipleship, as we're going to be looking at these next few Sundays, this is one of these marks of a healthy church. A healthy church is a church where its saved believers are growing. Where they are growing in God's Word, they're growing in the truth, they're using their gifts and abilities to serve God, where each and every member of the congregation is doing the work of ministry. Wow. That's exciting. So that's what discipleship is, and that, again, is one of these key characteristics of a healthy church. So this passage of Scripture is one of these. This one and the next two Sundays, I encourage you to read through these passages of Scripture, to talk about them, look at them. I know from this morning, one of the little verses I'll be alluding to tonight, Hebrews 5 and 6, we're going to be able to unpack that even more in study time. But this morning, we're looking at Ephesians 4. As you can see in the outline, I have three points. And then in the last point there, it talks about new speech, new heart, new conduct. So first, we're going to be looking at equipping all. That's the first point there. Equipping all. Isn't that amazing how Ephesians 4, 11 starts? You would, you would almost think it different than what it actually reads. In verse 11, it says, He gave, God gives, Christ gives, the Holy Spirit inspires and works and does this. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do all the work of ministry. Oh, but that isn't what it says. What it really says is this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Isn't that amazing? That's how the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, writes this out. So what that is saying is the main purpose of the apostles in being sent by Christ in writing the New Testament of handing down the truth of the Scriptures to us, inspired through the Holy Spirit, the main purpose of the prophets proclaiming God's truth, the main purpose of evangelists like the Apostle Paul and each and every one of us today who go out and share the Gospel, the main purpose of shepherds, teachers, pastors, elders, deacons, 
the main purpose and role for these people is to be servants. And the purpose of us is to be servants is to serve every single believer so that they may be equipped and competent and able through the scriptures to do ministry. That is the proper role of the church and the members. So in that, the pastor, my whole role is to equip each and every one of you. This is the role of the elders, role of everyone is to equip each and every one of you so that you are active and engaged in the ministry that God has for you. Wow. As we know, that understanding of priesthood of all believers, that's where that concept comes from. It's from this and other passages. That every single, as soon as you become a believer, you are a minister doing work for God. And God has a purpose and plan for that. So the whole purpose of the church is not only, most importantly, to give God glory, to sing his praise, to lift him up, but it is to be encouraging each other, holding each other accountable, and training each other and equipping each other to do this wonderful work that God has for us. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. This isn't just about a handful of people. This is about every single believer in Christ. So that's the whole context of Ephesians 4. And that's why I begin with equipping all. That all means all. That every means every. Every believer. All the saints. Every single person who is in Jesus Christ. And we see that. We see it graphically with Peter, the John 21, 17. I have that there because here we see how God is raising up an apostle, Peter, to be a shepherd, even though in all his pride and his disobedience, he had denied Jesus Christ three times. And here Christ in John 21, 17 restores Peter. And in 17, it says, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How gracious is that? God can raise up shepherds. He can raise up elders and pastors and teachers regardless of their background he can transform them and use them to feed the flock to equip everyone for this ministry and ultimately this points to the shepherd and overseer that's why i have first peter 2 here we see peter after the holy spirit has come upon him and the apostles and he's preaching and teaching and here in first peter 2 he talks about the over-shepherd. He says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, 
for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is understanding of discipleship. When you are a sheep that's bah, bah, and you're just wandering off, bah, and a wolf is coming, oh, 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 and you're heading toward a high cliff, this is not a good situation. And you have where the good shepherd comes and he sweeps you up, knocks the wolf away, and takes you back to the flock. And once he brings you back to the flock, he mends up your wounds, takes care of you, he gives you food and water so you may grow and be used mightily by him. Discipleship is that growing process of being used by him. So we see where God does this to equip all. And what is the end purpose of this? Is that we all would be measuring up to Christ. Christ is the standard. Now this is a powerful corrective because how most of us like to measure up is we try to think of the most failing or struggling believer we know. And as long as we're doing a little better than them, that gives us a little, a little hope or a little pride or a little confidence. You know, it's not, you know, I don't know if you've ever done that. You know, I've fallen into that at times. I, I said, well, at least I'm doing better than that person. And that's kind of the measure. That's kind of the ruler we use to gauge how we're doing. Well, Ephesians comes along for here and he says, don't measure yourself against that person. I'll give you a standard to measure yourself against. Oh, who's that? Jesus Christ. I'm undone. Now we see where Ephesians 4 is all about God's grace, not about our works or comparing ourselves against other people. Christ is the standard. We see this in Ephesians 4, verses 13 and 14. The purpose is its equipping that we may be doing ministry is until we all attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, that we may all grow up. <laughs> That's an expression I heard growing up quite a bit. I don't know if you ever heard that from anyone. Would you just grow up? That was a common refrain given to me. But this year, it's talking about this growing up in Christ, being matured to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. We grow up into Christ as our head in God's grace and love. It's amazing. It's amazing that what takes place here. And the reason why you must grow up is this, verse 14, so that we are no longer helpless Helpless to false doctrine and helpless to deception. Just tossed about by every wind, every fad, every new thing. And we find ourselves just stumbling and falling. No, we are to grow up in God's word, grow up in prayer so that we are able to discern, to understand what's true and false and to stay with the one true gospel presented by Jesus Christ. So we see discipleship is about 
God equipping all. It's about measuring up to Christ. And it's about growing up into Christ. So here's where Ephesians 4 gives us of how we grow up into Christ. And it deals with our speech. It deals with our hearts. And it deals with our conduct. So much emphasis here is given about speech. Because speech, what you say, comes from your heart. Remember, that's what Jesus explained to us. Jesus is explaining that in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, starting at verse 11. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you all still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So that's why you see here in Ephesians 4, so much emphasis is placed on a believer growing up into Christ on their speech, on their heart, their attitudes, and on their conduct. Now the speech one here is this. You see this in verse 25, verse 29 and verse 31. It's, it's the main theme that weaves through this. Verse 25, put away This put away, you're going to see this here. This putting away is where you take it. And it isn't that you... <laughs> Say one of your New Year's resolutions was to lose 10, 20 pounds. So you have this box of double chocolate chunk cookies. So you have this box here. So you say, well, I'm going to put these away so I'm not as tempted by them. And where you put them is you just set them on the edge of the counter that you walk by every day. Was that a good putting away? No. Well, how about this? Well, maybe I'll put it on a high shelf in the cupboard. At least then I'll have to go get the footstool and get it. That'd be a little deterrent. That works for a little while. But then you find yourself climbing up and I mean, you're overcome. No, this understanding of putting away in this text is you gather it up and you throw it as far from you as possible. So this is the putting away. If you're really serious about not stumbling into this area again. Now, I have nothing against double chocolate chip cookies, but I'm just saying as an example... So here, this is talking about this of sin in our lives from our speech, our hearts, and our conduct. So what he says here in verse 25, the first one to put away is falsehood. Any blending or distorting of the truth. It says, speak the truth with your neighbor. Members one and another. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths only build up give grace to those who hear so you're about building up let no corrupting talk and then in verse 31 he goes into more detail about this corrupting talk put away all bitterness 
wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Again, put these things away. Don't set them right on your on the edge of your counter. No, you, you pull them up out of your life and you dispose of them. So they're away from you. Yesterday, I was working on this fireplace in our home. And there was a moment where I had the stickiest, blackest soot from the tips of my fingers all the way to my elbows. You literally, all you could see was black. As I'm working with this, cutting this sheet metal out and scrubbing this thing to put in this wood-burning insect, I was covered. And literally, from where I was working to the bathroom where I washed my hands, when I came out, Cammie said, I want to show you something. First, he said, come here. And I come in, I said, look at the light switch in the kitchen. Black. Look at the door of the fridge. So I went, I turned on the light. I opened the fridge, got out the milk, poured a glass, drank it, then went, handled a few other things and went to the bathroom. I literally had black soot fingerprints through the entire house from that moment to where I washed my hands. That soot was so, everything I touched, it just went everywhere. And when I first pulled the frame out, it was airborne. And we are still trying to scrub the soot off of walls and furniture that was around it. It was just invasive. And everywhere I touched, I left my mark. And it was hard to get rid of that mark. That is what what he's describing here about this speech of bitterness and anger and clamor and slammer, it just gets everywhere. It just spreads and it leaves its mark and it does harm and it stains. So here we see the importance of the Holy Spirit to do his work as we seek to remove that from our speech, from our minds and from our thoughts. As we see, it has to deal with the heart That's why verses 26 and 27 deal with the heart. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Root this anger out quickly. Resolve it so it doesn't fester. And then new conduct. Verses 28 and 30 and 32 speak about working hard so you can contribute rather than stealing. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then 32, be kind to one another. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. What a powerful passage of Scripture. So that's my hope as to the coming week as you're able to read through Ephesians 4 and read through these passages just as you start thinking about what it is that God is calling each and every one of us to grow up into Jesus Christ because of his love and his grace to us. So let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that no matter how how stained we are through sin and, and brokenness, that you, your grace, 
the grace that we see in your cross, that the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, washes us clean, completely by grace. Father, we pray that you will help us as we grow up into your Son, Jesus Christ, to give you glory. Father, I pray that you'll guide us all into the ministry you have for each and every one of us, for your plan and your purposes. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.